Uh, we obviously have always much to be thankful for, much to pray for. Of course, it's in your bulletin, but, you know, we have, obviously, it's been a very difficult week for the Curtin family. Judy lost her father. Her mother, Bernice, is struggling with COVID. She has COVID. Uh, Jennifer has been diagnosed with COVID as well. Uh, I think you had talked to Judy this morning, yesterday, and said she's feeling great, you, you know, and so praise God for that. Mike Street has come down with it. Uh, we see the Kellenbrinks have gotten past it and the Plots have gotten past it and, you know, so many other people that we know obviously have been affected and, and uh, we, we've been blessed. I mean, as difficult as it is, has the Vizis, uh, you know, uh, we are, the folks that we know and we're personally related to, they've recovered. And uh, it is a difficult time. We're in a new year. I'm thankful for every new year that we have, every day that the Lord gives us. Today is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. But it, seriously, obviously, we've been led to pray. So we continue to pray. And Rick's doing good, isn't he? Rick Dubeck. And look around. Just it's less than, I think, less than five, six weeks ago, uh, certainly two months ago, uh, I think BJ Yule had was maybe the first my dates and people in time I visited with him last night. He said it's been eight months ago when he had it. It was back in the spring, um, and uh, and so now moving forward, I, many of our uh, folks in this condo, you know, have had it and gotten through it. And so uh, we went from not having a whole lot within our personal, just the confines of this congregation. To, Many people contracting it, but each one has gotten through it, and so we praise God for that. We give God thanks for that. Um, so uh, I, I want to read something to you this morning um, before we go to the text. So uh, I'm just going to read this. If I were the devil, if I were the devil, time out. <laughs> I did forget. Next Saturday, we're going to take the tree down, 9 o'clock. So if you can be up here at 9 o'clock to help with that, we'll send out an email, make some phone calls. But again, 9 o'clock, take the tree down. It's always beautiful to see it up. So now, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I would want to engulf the whole world in darkness. I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population. So I'd have the whole world in darkness. I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I'd not be happy until I seized the ripest apple on the tree, thee. So he's after each and every one of us. So I would set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I would set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. This is if, you know, this is what Satan would do. I'd subvert the church, first the United States, and I'd subvert the churches. I would begin with a campaign of whispers. A campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. Do as you please. To the young, to the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. You can't trust the Bible. Um, I would convince the children that man created God. 
instead of the other way around. I'd convinced the children that man created God rather than the other way around. I'd confined that what's bad is good. And what's good is square. It's not good. And the old, now here's the old, this is the old people. What are you talking about? I didn't do it. Uh, and the old, I would teach to pray after me. Our Father, which are in Washington, D.C. Then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors. I would educate or, or authors. Uh, I'd go after the churches, then the youth, then the old, and then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting. Lurid books exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. Got some great books out there. Yeah, 50 shades of all kinds of colors or whatever it is. And you could go on and on and on. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellect, but neglect to discipline emotions. I'd encourage schools to refine young intellect, but neglect to discipline emotions. Don't want to do that. I'd tell teachers to let those students run wild. And before you knew it, you'd have drugs, sniffing dogs, and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. With a decade, I'd have prisons. Within a decade, I'd have prisons, uh, prisons overflowing and judges promoting pornography. Soon I would evict God from the courthouse and the schoolhouse and then from the House of Congress. In his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and defy uh, and deify science. I'd turn science into a God, a fact. I'd lure priests and pastors into uh, misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted. I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. Well, you bet I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I'd convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that living, excuse me, that living together is more fun and that what you see on television is the way to be. And thus, I could undress you in public and lure you into bed with diseases for which there are no cures. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Uh, do you know who wrote that and when? Anybody? That was written, huh? Yeah, it was written April 3rd, 1965 by Paul Harvey. Now here's another one. This was in the final, bear with me, this just happened. In, uh, the, I think it was the final act in uh, Congress. 
right before they recessed. This is just, uh, this is just, I uh, got to find it here. I had it, but then just bear with me. Yeah, this is, this is, this happened. This isn't social media, wives tell, do the research, find out. Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Rules Committee Chairman James McGovern unveiled the rules for the 117th Congress on Friday. So they did this Friday, and these are the rules for the next Congress, uh, which contain future-focused proposals, including the elimination of gendered terms such as father, mother, son, and daughter. This package will be introduced and voted on once the new Congress convenes, includes sweeping ethics reforms, increases accountability for the American people. Uh, when were the American people supposed to be accountable to the United States Congress? I believe it's the other way around. But they're looking out for us, which that's always good. They do such a good job. Increases accountability for the American people and makes this House of Representatives, the most inclusive in history. What an abomination of the word inclusive, said the House Committee on uh, Rules in a statement. Remember John chapter 8, Satan's native tongue is lying. It's deception. He's the father of all lies. He represents himself as a prince of light. And so they use words like inclusive and love and whatever. House Speaker Pelosi went on to say she is pleased to join Chairman Jim McGovern in introducing this visionary rules package, which reflects the views and values of the full range of our historically diverse House Democrat, Democratic majority. Thanks to the leadership of Chairman McGovern and our members, Democrats have crafted a package of unprecedented, unprecedented bold reforms, which will make the House more accountable, transcendental, and effective in our work to meet the needs and govern the American people, said Pelosi. These future-focused proposals reflect our priorities as a caucus and as a country. Within the proposals are the creation of the Select Committee on Economic Disparity and Fairness and Growth, which would require Congress to honor all gender identities by changing pronouns and familiar relationships in the House rules to be gender neutral. So that's really a fancy way to say we're going to change the way we speak uh, because it's inclusive and it's what you and I need. This is who your elected officials are. This is what they're doing. This is what they're spending their time on. In Clause 8C, parentheses 3 of Rule 28, Gender terms such as father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, uncle, aunt. Let's start again. Father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, first cousin, nephew, niece, husband, wife, father-in-law, mother-in-law, son-in-law, daughter-in-law, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, stepfather, stepmother, stepson, stepdaughter, stepbrother, stepsister, half-brother, half-wit, no, half-sister, grandson or granddaughter will be removed. All those terms will be removed. They'll not be used in the house, in, in, the, in the house, the con your, your house, by the way. The house that you, you own, your taxpayers built, your taxpayer money in Washington, D.C. We're not going to use those terms anymore. Um, yeah, because they're not inclusive. In their place, these are the terms you're going to get to use now. 
parent, child, sibling, parent's sibling, first cousin, sibling's child, spouse, parent-in-law, child-in-law, sibling-in-law, step-parent, step-child, step-sibling, half-sibling, or grandchild will be used instead. I, I got to stop. This, this is what they're working on? This is good for you and me? So 3,500 years ago, and by the way, there's another article I just I, I couldn't. Jesus said, he who has eyes to see, let him see, and who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's a new year. It's a new year. Another article I read, it was just even more disheartening. Broke my heart. Uh, and it, again, not social media. Uh, just the number of mortalities and worldwide mortalities uh, in the world uh, up to December 4th this year. COVID didn't even make top 10. Not even close. <laughs> Not even close. Not even close. But boy, we are whoo, we're scared. And it's real. I'm not making light of it. I will make light of it in light of 42.8 million children have been aborted in this world last year. 42.8 million. 42.8 million. That just grieves my soul. HIV. Heart disease, cancer, diabetes. Cancer, all these things. COVID didn't even make the top 10. And an entire globe is living, being taught to live. There's the key word, being taught. Being taught to live in a manifest fear. And the things burning down around us, folks. 42.8 million aborted. By the way, they've got all kinds of vaccines for uh, AIDS. And it's, we haven't even made a dent. Nobody's talking about that anymore, are they? AIDS and HIV globally. Got a vaccine. <laughs> and I, could, I probably ought to read the whole list to you. Shocking, disturbing. The whole deal is burning down around us. Darkness everywhere. Satan is doing exactly as he said that he would do. And then there's the church. There's God's people. It's a nation. It's the kingdom. It's the body of Christ. It's the bride. It's the children. And Moses said 3,500 years ago to a group of people, in verse, chapter 6 of verse 1, he said, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you're going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all the statutes and his commandments which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. 
the thing that God was concerned about and he told Moses to be concerned about was um, the first thing he said, these people, my people, that I've called out, that I've saved, that I've redeemed uh, from darkness and slavery in the grasp of an ungodly nation and enemy, uh, you need to teach them something. Number one priority, it's something you need to teach them. And then, uh, so teach them what and who and why. This is the very first thing. I need you to teach this to these people, and this is why. This is why. And so I think about you and I today. Because this, folks, this still is burning down around us. And we could just, I guess, well, I don't guess, I know, because it's right out of the pages of Scripture. We can just be lukewarm. Or we can live in fear. Or we can be the people that God called us to be. In a dark, broken, convoluted world. That's really the only choice we have. We can do nothing, we can be lukewarm, or we can be the people that God has called us to be. And so, you, you say, well, okay. Um, I think I know what that, maybe you think you know what that is. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you say, well, what do we do then? Okay. Now, nothing is different today than it was 3,500 years ago when it's nothing different. God still had a people. He still had a purpose for those people. He, he taught his people, had his people taught, provided for his people. Uh, and so, and the same is true today. We're not in the Sinai Desert. We're over here in Curtin, Texas. The mission has never changed. The method has never changed. The promises that have, were given were fulfilled and the remaining promises will be fulfilled. And we talked a little bit about it this morning. God people, God's people were people that he called out and he made them holy. You can't make yourself holy. I can't make myself holy. But he made us holy. He set us apart. He did it by his will. Uh, from his power and sovereignty for his will. So if you're a Christian today, he's made you holy. Now what also has he done for you in light of a broken, dark world that is burning down around us? That's full of darkness and evil and people say, I mean, can you believe that? Can you, I mean, can you really? Do you think the founding fathers, every nation, all authority in heaven and earth has been established by God. Either you believe that or you don't. But if you believe that, you believe that every country that's ever existed and every nation that's ever existed has only existed, been established, and existed and continued to endure because God in his wisdom and sovereignty said, there will be an America. There will be a United States of an America. Of America. I can't believe anything else. Any nation, any empire whether it was the Egyptians, the Romans, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Medes, the Greek, whatever, the Russians, Chinese, it's all. We're all existing under the sovereign reign of God. He's established all authority in heaven and earth. So here we are. And so, but I'm going to ask you then, as that has taken place, 
And in 1776, a group of individuals gathered together in this country, and they formed a constitution. And, and you could rewrite history any way you want, but all you have to do is go study the maxims of those individuals. And they were led by Bible, Judeo-Christian principles. Amazing, even the rewriting of history. I've read all the maxims of George Washington, and I've heard people say that he really wasn't a Christian. I'm absolutely absurd, but Satan, that's what he does. He's absurd and he lies, and this is what he does. And so we're being taught, but can you imagine? Could you imagine that the founding fathers would ever think that a piece of legislation would be presented on behalf of the you and me, because they just care so much about us. Telling you that in the, the, the House, the Congress that writes the laws for this God-blessed nation, uh, is that in this, con we're not ever going to use the term a father or husband or mother or wife or child. We're not using those terms anymore. And if you don't see the slow boiling, and it ain't slow boiling anymore, because that's an exact defiance of the holy written word of God. And that's where we're at. It's okay. I say it's okay. Not okay with the Lord. He'll judge that, and he is judging that. But you and I, you and I, the body of Christ, he said in the 16th chapter of Matthew, he said, I'm going to build a church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. He starts the Sermon on the Mount out, talking about his people, Matt, about you're the light of the world, you're the salt of the world. You're not supposed to be hidden. You're supposed to shine. He gave his apostles a commission, Matthew 28 and Mark 16, you go into all the world. He told them in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you wait in Jerusalem, you're going to receive power on high, you'll be my witnesses, first in Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and even the remotest parts of the world. And you and I exist today because God's promises never fail. His word is never not it's always right. It's always correct. It's always demanded. And it will always be done. His will be done. And so here we are 2,000 years later, and we're in Curtin, Texas, and people all over the world are calling upon the name of the Lord and singing wonderful hymns and praising and reaching out to Him in prayer in our hearts. And, and then so now, as this thing's burning down around us, and I just used a handful, just a little, it's unending. There's already legislation that's been passed in Houston, less than 100 miles from here, by the mayor. It's you. Check it out. That if a preacher gets in a pulpit in Harris County and says anything about sexuality, not just homosexuality, but anything about sexuality, if he talks about adultery or fornication, it's considered hate crime. And then that, literally that church would be fined. Boy, that's inclusive, isn't it? We're under attack, and either you open your eyes to that, or we just kind of continue just to stumble along. Let me ask you, let's just get right down to the point. Do you love your children? Maybe you don't know what your role clearly is defined to be in the God's holy writ, but do you love your children? Well, of course I love my children. 
Okay. Do you believe in eternity? Yes. Do you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God? Yes. Do you believe that by no other name can someone be saved? Yes. There may be those in the church who don't believe that. I, I actually encountered that 20 years ago with a deacon of a church. He said, you know, I mean, I'm not sure Jesus is, only, he is the only way, the truth, and the life. I believe God uses many others. I mean, this is a deacon in this church. So I, I think that I could be able to say, do you believe but by no other name should someone be saved under heaven and earth? By no other name is Jesus Christ. But there may be some here that think that maybe. That's how, that's how invasive spiritual warfare has been. And it's because of this, a lack of love for our children. Thirty-five hundred years ago, God said, the most important thing for you to do, the most important thing for you to do is teach your children and your grandchildren my commandments, judgments, and statutes. It's the most important thing for you to do. And then he goes on and he tells them what and why and how. How much time are you spending teaching your children the judgments, the statutes, and the commandments of God? I got to visit with one of our parents uh, recently this last week, and I was so pleased because there was no, he said, you know, I made my, you know, children that had to read, uh, you know, Deuteronomy chapter 5, 6, and they went to go read that scripture, and then I asked them afterwards, and apparently this is a regular daily. I know the grandparents are involved in this too. Um, but it's, it's a, read the word of God, now tell me what you read. How much time are your children spending in the Word of God? How much do they know the commandments, judgments, and statutes of the Lord? And tell me why they wouldn't. Now, it is interesting. I, I did because you want to talk about how effective Satan has been in uh, diluting the New Testament church. There's actually a, a thought process and a misappropriation of Scripture where the church is no longer under the cat, the commandments and judgments and the statutes of God. That, that they don't. First of all, there's 613 laws in the Old Testament. So Moses was saying there's 613 judgments, commandments, edicts, and statutes. Over 300 of them were negative, you know, do not. Over 250 of them were positive, you, you can do this. Uh, they broke into three different areas. There was a moral, civil, and ceremonial. So the, all the 613 laws, which includes the Ten Commandments, th they had a ceremonial commandment to it, dynamic, a civil commandment, and then a moral. By the way, in the New Testament bears this out 100%. Now the ceremonial, uh, because of the destruction of the temple, um, Obviously, they can't practice those anymore. Civil, you could always say the civil ones would apply because they certainly would never harm us. The moral laws have never, ever, at any level, anywhere in the New Testament, ever been deleted. Never has it been said that God's moral law is no longer relevant no longer should be practiced, no longer required because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
any, you spend as much time as you want. The moral imperatives of the law have never, ever, ever, ever stopped. To, they have not. They, now I'm going to go to the New Testament. We're going to let the New Testament bear it out. I'm just going to do New Testament on you. I shouldn't have to do that, but I'm going to. Now, you cannot be saved by keeping the law, but in your saved state, do you absolutely think because this goes back, do you love your children? What are you teaching your children? The world's teaching them something. I guarantee you that statement that I just read to you politically, I guarantee you, and I promise you, in our public school system, there's a voice that your children are hearing that is very much like, well, it mirrors what the world's teaching them about morality and right and wrong and gender equality and gender whatever. God made them male and female. That's what he did. God the Father. That's who he is. And we could go on and on and on. But you go to that Matthew 5. Now, first of all, Jesus and his temptation, Matthew 4, you know, Satan's tempting him. The tempter came and said to him, Matthew 4 and verse 3, if you're the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, out of Deuteronomy 8, one of those 613 laws, one of the, he says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When did that verse not become true? When did that commandment, that judgment, that edict, that statute not become true? When was that irrelevant? But, so after Jesus died on the cross, uh, you can live, you, Jesus would say to you, you can live on something other than every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Of course you couldn't. He would never say that. But we've had this infectious false doctrine that's affected the church. That they, well, we're not under the Old Testament law. Now, we just back that Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, where Jesus just says in the Sermon on the Mount, which is full of commandments, judgments, and edict, that all, all mirror the Old Testament law and even amplifies on them. But we're going to be teaching that in weeks to come. But so he would say to you, uh, verse 17, Sermon on the Mount, New Testament, do not think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets, did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, and by the way, that has not happened. Heaven and earth have not passed away, nor the smallest, nor not, not the smallest letter stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and so teaches others, teaches others, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you go to all the epistles, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, not including Jesus' statement to the seven churches in Asia Minor, there's what's called a vice list. Where he said, those that practice things like this, adultery, fornication, immorality, envy, pride, anger, you can go to Galatians 5. He said, they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. New Testament, not Old Testament. But let's just go to 1 John. Let's just go to 1 John. Now, I, I, I had to eliminate just over 100 New Testament references just, it, this isn't just picking and choosing. I'm 
Let's see where do I want to. We'll go in First John three, and then we'll go to First John five. We'll just start uh, on verse one, chapter three. Remember, I ask you if you loved your children. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we shall see him just as he is. And everyone who has his hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. It gets, here's the word now. Here's the word, practice. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. Now, if you go to Galatians, the third chapter, and Romans chapter 8, and you go throughout the New Testament, uh, one of the things that we know the commandments, the law of God does, it exposes sin. We know that on the day of Pentecost, when Jesus was preached and, and people's hearts were pierced, they said, what must we do? He, he said, we well, have to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. So when was the Old Testament? And we wouldn't even know what sin was. And so the only thing that we could measure about practicing sin would be from the Word of God. That hasn't changed. It never changed. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. That's not living according to the Word of God. And sin is lawlessness. And you know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there's no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous. This is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose that he might destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin. He doesn't practice sin, and he cannot sin. Really? Well, Paul would say, I'm the chief of all sinners. I have to die to sin daily. This has to go, do you love your children? What are you teaching your children? How much do they know of the commandments and the edicts and the judgments of God? And especially the moral imperatives. And then the practice of their life. By this, the children of God, verse 10, and the children of devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Now let's just go to first, so, so, there's, so that it's clear, so that John clarifies it, First John chapter 5, for those that say, well, you know, I guess the commandments of God, and we're going to actually end in Romans, our revelation. So First John chapter 5, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. I like that. We've taught our kids that, haven't we? And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdens. New Testament. Just let your just let your thought process. Because I, we're in a new year. This deal's burning down around us. We're the children of God. You have children, and you have grandchildren. Some of you. And Moses 
taught by God, taught his people, the first thing you need to know is you need to know the commandments and judgments and the statutes of God. You need to teach them because there's promises. But let's just finish here. I don't know how clear that this can be. I mean, it should be clear. Preachers have literally said that the commandments of God, you don't, we're not under the law. They've misappropriated a passage in Galatians and they've isolated and not done the fullness of that biblical work. Again, Christ never died to take away your sin so that you could sin willfully or ignore the precepts of God and the moral imperatives of God. He never did. He never did. Are you teaching your children? I mean, are you? Maybe you're teaching your young daughter that, well, you can do anything that a man can do. Well, is that in this word? Is it? Do you love your child more than God loves your child? Do you love your daughter more than God loves your daughter? Have you done anything for your daughter that God, that would equal anything that God has done for your daughter? Did you design your daughter or your son? No, he did. Are your wills and desires and wishes for your children and your grandchildren and your daughter the same as that? Because the world's not. I was introduced recently to, I didn't know what TikTok was. Have you watched any of the bit? And it's the young girls they're preying on. And it's all done with, it's, it's, I've watched them. I was challenged to. And these young ladies are beautiful. They could be Haley, they could be anybody. Grace, Madeline. And, and really what they're doing, and they all have a smile on their face, and it's very provocative. It honors the flesh, and it makes it light and easy, and what man calls, you know, we call evil good and good evil. That's just one dynamic. And so, read, read this. New Testament. Revelation 14. Verse 9. And another angel, a third followed him. And followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives a mark on his forehead or upon his hand, he'll also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he'll be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels in the presence of the Lamb. How does that fit? in the Mickey Mouse gospel. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. And they have no rest day and night, those who worship the beast in the image and whoever receives the mark on his name. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. 
I could, I don't have, I could start here and preach for the next three hours just from the New Testament. I'd start with his first message. Repeat for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repentance only exists because of the law and what it reveals. And, and the things we need to repent of are never things that we should re-embrace. They should never be the practice of our life. We could spend a half a dozen Sundays just looking at the judgments, commandments, and the edicts that Jesus Christ establishes on the Sermon on the Mount. What are you teaching your children? Are you teaching them it's okay to be friends with the world? Are you teaching them that Christianity is just something we do in Christmas and Easter and, and, and occasionally when we can? That it's important, but it's not nearly as important as your personal pleasure and the things that bring you joy? And by the way, you know, you, nobody's good. You can't be good. I mean, is it really? We don't want to be old fashioned. I mean, it's just all fun. Do you see how easy it's been? Do you literally see how easy that it has been to control the personality, the mentality, and the actions of an entire globe, an entire world of population? Boy, if we've ever come together on anything in my 62 years, we're following some guy. We nobody's necessarily agreed upon them all. I wish the church worldwide would take as seriously in their approach to the understanding of God and his teachings and his commandments and his judgments and his edicts that Jesus died for so that you and I could be freed from the sin that would be that as we have with this pandemic. I've heard Christians talking more passionately about, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, have you quarantined or are you doing this or we do it? I mean, with more care and concern than they are about gossip. Envy, pride, backbiting, slander. Concern there. Because I'm saved by grace. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds, for their deeds follow with them. <laughs> what are you teaching your children? Do you love your children? Have you, have you taken any time? I'm going to tell you what we're doing Wednesday night starting. And we're going to do it all year long. We're going to be teaching them from the New Testament. They're going to know the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, and the edicts of God. They're also going to know that they can't keep them because they're in their flesh. But they're also going to know that God gave provision. He gave a body of people, a church, to help each other. He gave us his holy word so that we can learn together and from it. And he gave us his Holy Spirit. See, we have no excuse. 
We have no excuse because of the creation. The invisible attributes of God have now been made known through creation. We have no excuse because of his holy word. We have no excuse because of his holy people. We have no excuse because of his Holy Spirit. God has equipped us. What are you doing with that, people? You say you love your children. What are you teaching them? Why are you teaching it them? This thing's burning down, man. And the last thing that is needed is another mealy-mouthed preacher, another mealy-mouthed church that runs around and is not teaching and preparing and discipling God's people with the truth about his, his commandments. Now, here it is, and we're done. I mentioned the word practice. You can't keep it, but... We're going to teach you the commandments, statutes, judgments, and we're going to teach you. By the end of this year, if you don't know what they are, seriously, if you don't know, it won't be because we haven't taught you. We're going to teach you. Now, here's the problem. You can learn it, and you're a pretty smart kid. And you can try to do it, and you're going to do more. And the more you do something, usually the better we get at it. But you're never going to be able to keep them all. But you know what it'll be? It'll be the practice of your life. That word practice. Paul said, I got to die to sin every day. I know what sin is because God's commandments make it clear. I'm the chief of all sinners. I know there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And you know how he knew that he was in Christ Jesus? Because as he understood what God had done for him on the cross, it, it, it affected the practice of his life. Now here's the final thing. What's the practice of your life? Really, seriously. Is the practice 10% Christianity and what you know a little bit about a commandments and 80-90% of the world? I, I don't know. God knows. Is the practice of your life, what your life is known for, the way you practice your life, because it's all this is a practice. From the day you're born to the day you die, it's a practice. So is the practice of your life that people know about you at the workplace where you work, where you play, your family, your children, they say the practice of that, that person practices the commandments, statutes, and the judgments of God. Obviously, he cannot keep them. But i tell you what, I know what the practice of that person. Or is it something else? Does it waver? And here's the problem with the wavering. Ask yourself why it wavers. It'll only waver for a couple of reasons. You say, well, I don't know. I, may, I, I need to do a little better job of learning. I need to. Well, that's on you. The scripture says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. The knowledge that you have concerning the statutes, judgment, and command, that's on you. It's not on the preacher. It ain't on the preacher. And it's not on your mom and daddy. Now, you're just supposed to be wrong. But if, you're, if, you, if you can read at a fifth grade level, it's on you. And everybody here is learning something every day about something. We learn about business. We learn about politics. We learn about A&M football. We learn about music, arts. We learn about the things that we pursue and what make it. We learn it. We learn about social media. We learn, you know, new dance moves to put on TikTok. We learn it. What's the practice of your life? You've taught yourself. We're all pretty much self-taught at some level. So we don't have the excuse that we cannot learn these things. And then they become the practice of our life. And it's an ongoing building process. The Holy Spirit of God teaches us and guides us. It's important stuff. I've gone way longer. I haven't been doing that lately. So nobody can. This is how important this is. 
new year, a new opportunity to learn. And if we say we love our children, the most important thing that you can give your children is not another trophy, not another trip, not another self-satisfying moment, another possession. The most important thing you can give your children is to teach them the commandments, the judgments, the statutes of God. Because that's what our faith comes from. John just wrote it in Revelation. The commandments and faith are married. You cannot separate them. God never did. And where they came into their fullness was on the cross. The commandments and faith of a faithful God who commands us in our victory over sin through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, my prayer as we enter this new year is that we have a heart and a spirit and mind that just so di- just desires, that wants to learn your commandments, your judgments, your statutes, your... And so... Father, we know that our faith is dependent upon it. And we know that our life with you is blessed because of it. So we pray that we're faithful, Father, in what we're learning and in what we're teaching to a world that has just been lied to and to a dark, dark world that is just broken and burning down around us. We look to you for the victory that comes through your faithful son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.